Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 326, and today we'll be talking about the Susie and Ramona adventures from Summer Camp Island. I'm GC13. <laughs> and I'm David. And just before we started recording, GC alluded to the famous sea shanty sung by Seahawk in Shira and the Princesses of Power. And now I have We're Best Friends We Are We Are Stuck in My Head, which is just perfect for this little four part series where we learn about the absolutely tragic tale of the most bestest of friends ever. You're welcome, you are, you are. <laughs> I'm so sad, I am, I am. I I mean, on the one hand, this is a truly heartbreaking tale. I mean, this. I made that video about how Susie must feel about Ramona, and it's like, oh, this is actually so much sadder than that. Yeah, this totally was not what I was expecting. I think that they did really well with giving us Susie as a character the way we've seen her and giving those little pieces of backstory and hinting at immortality and all those pieces lined up to something different than what happened here where not only Susie is I mean Susie isn't like a different character in the past but how she values her friendship how she thinks about her immortality and who is actually the one who does the wrong thing all three of those things are different than what I thought they would be. I mean, I'll just say it, though. This I smell retcon with a lot of this. It's like, you'd think Lucy would remember having met the witches back in New York, for instance. Would Lucy have remembered? Mm, she might have. I mean, they were wearing hats, but she might have not been paying attention much. I mean, she was reading whatever book she was holding. Yeah, she, she is kind of a, a little bit of a snob. And then she was traumatized by quarters in her sandwich. Uh, you know, she was much more focused on that. You'd think she would have appreciated the free money. I mean, that's probably more quarters than the cost of her sandwich. It's not exactly a retcon, though, since they introduced that detail in the episodes. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like the wrong kind of retconning. Like, they're introducing a contradictory detail. Normally, when you retcon, you change something and it makes it contradictory. Yeah, there's that, but that's... You know, like the whole, okay, everybody, act like we've been doing this for years. And it's like, oh, so they haven't been doing this for years? Again, it sounds like they had the coolest idea for a story arc and had to explain why the camp seemed like a well-oiled machine beforehand. Well, because they were just pretending. Did Summer Camp Island always have this story in mind? I think it did. I don't think so. I This, this smells like they came up with it after the fact. I don't know. It, look at Adventure Time. About four episodes in, when they drew zombies, they thought, huh, where did these zombies come from? And then that kind of exploded into the entire human backstory, right? But that happened during production. Over, over years. Right? Like, they, well, yes, the story of Adventure Time is definitely one soaked in, <laughs> in retconning and developing, and there was not a laid out vision in the same way that Rebecca Sugar had their huge timelines from advanced and day one when you joined steven universe's crew you know you were told hey pink diamond is rose quartz which is apparently the case according to the latest art book but the fact that summer camp island is named summer camp island i actually think that this premise was there yeah maybe all the details weren't figured out but even though the you know reveal happens in episode 20 of the photo of Ramona and Susie, I have to believe that when they were writing 
earlier episodes, they were still aware of this idea. Like, I think the creator of this is Julia Potts, right? I think Julia Potts had this in mind. Okay, so hear me out. We we recently discussed an episode where Susie is eager to kick Hedgehog out of the camp so that she can rent out her cabin to somebody else. Now, if the whole point of bringing Hedgehog there is because she's a magical creature who needs her magic awakened, why kick her out of the island? You think she'd be like, oh no, he can't do this to you. You know, like, I'm not giving him his deposit back. I have a minor theory, and it's related to what you are confused about. And for me, the confusion came when it was revealed that every character, you know, I <laughs> I wasn't as clueless as Oscar. You know, I, I got it as soon as we saw Lucy. <laughs> but, you know, that every character invited to the island is magical in some way, which we kind of were hinted at, at least in the fact that we learned Oscar has his own kind of, of magic in the in the end of the last season. But the fact that that's the case, and yet in no way has their magicalness been encouraged in any way outside of Hedgehog that I can think of, to me, you know, the first thought is, oh, that doesn't seem like that was intended from the beginning, because these guys aren't really doing their jobs right. And yet, does Susie look like, after she's betrayed, that she's motivated to do her job right anymore? Is she actually interested? In keeping the magic alive, I think that we're, we've learned something else now, which is she abandoned that project in, in some regard, at least. And maybe she's slowly returning to the idea, but that might be why none of these kids have been trained and why she would have been willing to kick Hedgehog off the island. Hmm. I don't know. She seemed perfectly willing to go through with the project. She just seemed very angry at Ramona. I, I do want to talk about their coven, though. Where did they go? Did, was there an explanation I missed for why their coven has not been seen in either of the first two seasons? People were confused online, but I thought that it was really clear that they transformed into pieces of the island. We don't see them directly transform. Instead, when you know Susie comes out with her camper hat on and she says, people get in your places, we see magic poofs and there's a pile of rocks. And there's a tree. I, I think they're hanging around hidden as objects or as the unicorn. I don't know why they're hidden. I don't, I don't know what the purpose yeah. for that was. Clearly, though, they were going for some kind of gradual approach to revealing some parts. Although that's not really true, is yeah, it? Because, because they, ep- again, as soon as the parents are gone, yeah. they're like, OK, everybody, we could be mad. I'm about to say episode one, they immediately you know, break it like we're witches. We're badass. Deal with, <laughs> deal with it. We're kind of a big deal. I don't know why everyone else had to remain hidden. It is mysterious. Okay, I'll just say, I, I smell retcon, and that's that's all there is to it. Which, hey, makes it all the more adventure timey. <laughs> so, sure. <laughs> so, uh, I wonder when the... If the loss of magic was a result of the Great Mushroom War, or in this case, maybe it could be a diamond war. Who I know. knows? Tied into Steven Universe. I know. I was looking at that giant diamond thinking, hmm, <laughs> easy crossover opportunity. There's, there's a, a ton of mysteries introduced in this little four-part series. Some of them are directly connected to the, to the main plot we see here, like, oh, what's that diamond? Why is magic receding? But there's even little things introduced, like the idea that Jim Jams wasn't always a pair of pajamas or a 
shirt shirt of pajama just to explain why he knows the the story but uh, i'm thinking of another hbo max exclusive that lasted for 44 minutes that gave us oh so many questions obsidian so again we're talking about the adventure time formula always introduce new questions when you answer some never answer questions without asking more for every question you answer ask two more at least that's a minimum and also make sure that you bake some onion cake so that everyone cries while they watch it too. <laughs> that was great. It's <laughs> the way that they the way that Summer Camp Island refuses to be completely sad at any given point is very pleasant. We talked so many times watching earlier episodes about just how relaxing it is to watch Summer Camp Island and even though it's goofy as heck just having the super long farts that Susie and Jim Jam rips <laughs> is is an absolute treat. And yet I was still very touched by, you know, when teenage Ramona and Susie were holding hands facing their death Toy Story 3 style. I love the just so explanation of why are there so many time babies? Oh, uh, Susie and Ramona sang a song reminiscing about things and there are time babies now. There is, it's not super deep subtext, but there is subtext to what time babies are and their force as opposed to Jabberwocks. Like clearly, without directly stating it, to me it seems like the reason that Jabberwocks are appearing is as the world is changing, their world is changing to be more future-facing, right? And so this force of the future is coming. But when the future appears and people aren't focused on the present, it's a problem of, (laughs) you know, anxiety and not being present, etc. And it causes, you know, witches lose their mind. Always looking away to the future, never his mind on where he was, what he was doing. Words of a great philosopher. The powerful thing is that the their friendship is a presence-bringing thing. So it's not just that, you know, we were previously introduced to the concept of time babies appearing with friends being together, but it really struck me this time that, oh, okay, time babies appear when friends are together because it's a very grounding thing. Okay, so that has made me have a thought. They created the Time Babies because their friendship grounded them in the present. But the prophecy has forced them to be apart, pushing their friendship into the future. And what represents the future? The Jabberwocks. Will we get a Jabberwock infestation of the future? I should make a video about <laughs> that. I do think that there is some, some yin and yang, some push and pull to this where clearly our world doesn't need to be overrun by Jabberwocks, I wonder what the show has to say about if they should be entirely replaced by Time Babies or not. Is the prophecy actually a good thing? Clearly, Susie doesn't really think it was, because she initially thought that it was something that validated and supported her amazing friendship, and then it, you know, was going to force her to tear it apart, so clearly it was a bad prophecy. I, uh, they did leave one Jabberwock behind when they killed them all, (laughs) And he looked kind of bummed out. You have to have a balance of Jabberwocks and Time Babies. There should be a lot of Time Babies and or for every Jabberwock, but you do need Jabberwocks. See, and the thing is, they're going to go in a direction further or in some different way than I thought they were going, because I definitely was imagining them dealing with, with death because, you know, Susie being immortal and us being clearly shown that Ramona was aging at a different rate and, you know, that they even met each other. You know, we saw in the photos even that Susie knew her as a child and then as, a, as an older lady. But here we found out 
Susie doesn't care about immortality at all. And it, there wasn't a conflict that was going to happen where she was worried about Ramona dying and her living. Like, Susie was completely fine with immediately abandoning her immortality yep. and join, joining Ramona. And man, that moment where she was dipping her hand towards the cauldron and the old lady version of herself was reaching up. Ooh, that was that was really good. Chilling. And I also like just how casually Alice and Betsy signed up to live forever. I yeah. don't know if the other witches also do because they seem to have stuck around a really long time. I didn't think they were all immortal beforehand, but I, I don't know. Maybe they did to dedicate their lives for the island. Yeah, they might have been already immortal because I didn't see any visible aging on them during the, the time skip. Yeah, I mean, Mallory for sure is, and the others, I don't know. But clearly Ramona wasn't starting off as a kid, so it's not something that witches have by default. Again, also, Betsy and Alice had to drink an immortality potion. So, of course, I guess yeah. Betsy was didn't realize she was a witch earlier. But anyway. <laughs> Sometimes I really hate you, Betsy. <laughs> I think that the fact that they are not telling a story about life or death as far as you know, that being a choice for Susie is really cool. They're they're honing in on just the friendship aspect. And that is what is really surprising that they made Ramona kind of the villain in this. Not not a true villain, but the one who screwed up their friendship beyond. It wasn't just the prophecy that tore them apart. Like they could have just left it at that. But they introduced the fact that Ramona introduced this fracture that is much further than any magical prophecy. She put magic before before Susie. But uh, you keep talking about their friendship, their friendship, their friendship. And I'm, are we positive that it's just a friendship between them? Are we talking Adora and Katra here? Because like the whole time I'm like, you know, these two are like super duper close. And then the very end, the, the happy thought about her living in Massachusetts, sitting on that porch swing, holding hands with her best friend. I know, I know. So I, I kept thinking about that, and I think it actually is like Hedgehog and Oscar. I, I think they're going for something like that, because, you know, we had our, our lovely alien wedding already in this show. This show has <laughs> no problem with eschewing gender or, you know, any kind of traditional ideas about romance or anything else, right? Like, so I don't think at this point with Cartoon Network or with Summer Camp Island that they would... You know, if they were interested in this being a romantic relationship, it absolutely would be. I think that they are okay with having the romantic relationships take place elsewhere, like with our aliens, and have these two different pillars, these two different examples of friendship take place in the show, and show that friendship can be so deep and so meaningful that it can almost appear romantic, which, even in She-Ra, you kind of have the same thing as far as the fandom goes, because you know, Glimmer and, uh, <laughs> between, between Glimmer, Adora, and Bo, all three of those characters were, were shipped together inter- interchangeably too, because of how close they are. And so, you know, as a fan, you're watching and you're thinking, yeah, I could imagine any of these characters being together and being happy. Well, I mean, okay. So I do, I do see maybe it is really just a close friendship. These two characters are from the 19th century. Well, oh. I mean, <laughs> Susie had been around a while before then. And in the 19th century, Friendships were much closer than they are today. So, okay, okay, I'll buy that. You saying the 19th century to the side, by the way, because I thought you were going to mention the 19th century was full of a lot more um, bigotry and division. 
Because <laughs> Susie just casually mentions, I just, this detail stood out to me because Steven the, Universe The looking is, down on the world because you're no, a No, no, no. Steven Universe's world doesn't have any holidays. Susie just really casually mentions Independence Day and Flag Day here, which means that the entire U.S. history of our world happened in this world, which <laughs> with people recently talking about the Steven Universe PSAs and questioning how those ads were framed, like, did the gems exist during actual like did the u.s have slavery in steven universe's world that seems really concerning and problematic but <laughs> that means it happened in this world because they got freedom from the british and then all the terrible things of our world happened in this world of cute animals which i find an interesting inclusion so that's that's a thing which also they kind of even bring that in with the fact that alice was sent away for wearing pants I found that to be a yeah. Uh, yeah. very curious little detail they threw in there that, oh, hey, even though the island seems that, to represent... That was a cute little detail. <laughs> like, like, oh, actually, punishment for not conforming to gender is, uh, is a problem outside of uh, this little island and shows context that we've seen so far. So, okay. That was a, that was a very interesting way to get Betsy to the island, and I did appreciate okay, that little but detail. How did her parents send her on a boat solo to this island? That, that to me was a pretty weak excuse for her to show up. Like, later they, of course, organized it and advertised it as an island. What kind of irresponsible pairs did she have? Like, we saw where the island is, was. It was in the middle of the Atlantic. <laughs> How was that the reform yeah, I mean, school? Uh, it was silly, but I appreciated the joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. She shows up with her tennis racket. Apparently at reform school, you're gonna, you know, have to dedicate your life to your, your sports still. But I'm, I'm glad she, she didn't have to suffer that fate. But also, she just stayed on the island. How long was she on the island? Like, did her parents ever hear from her again? Eh, I don't think her parents were that sad. Yeah, I guess if your parents send you away for wearing pants, they must be <laughs> so terrible that they never are mentioned again. Okay, so here's, here's a theory. In an alternate reality, where instead of humans, it's anthropomorphic animals, Greg would have had a sister. Huh? Huh? <laughs> Wait, you repeat that? <laughs> Betsy so DeMeo? Confused. Come on. I am so confused right now. So wait, you're saying because... We need to make a new Steven Universe character. We, she can have a Steven Sona called Betsy DeMeo. She can be Greg's sister. I don't understand. <laughs> listener, if you're out there, please help me regain my sanity. I do not know what she's talking about. I do not understand this. Greg has very, very strict socially conservative parents. Okay. So they would be the kind of people who would send a girl away for wearing pants instead of skirts. Okay, okay, so she is the alternate to Greg. So they don't... There, there's a new alternate timeline, and maybe this timeline cannot have all the... It can be like Steven Universe's timeline where it doesn't actually have the terrible history of all the countries in the world, and then also there can be... Well, except that can't be true because we need her parents to still have the same ideas about I mean, pants. Greg's, Greg's parents are pretty awful, even in Steven Universe. Does she Universe. play the guitar? Does she have to eat meatloaf? Um, I don't you know understand. What? <sighs> she, she's... Betsy is definitely a bassist, I think. She's a, she's a supporting character, and she's happy to support. She's definitely She definitely plays the bass. Greg and Betsy Universe, two-man show through the, through the states. So is Vidalia Betsy? Vidalia might be Alice, although I, I guess she would have to be. It's an imperfect. We'd probably have to create a new Alice. See, this... <laughs> okay. <laughs> It'd be like a hybrid of... It's like if Barb 
had the Dahlia's role in the story. I really want <laughs> there to be a separate podcast where GC explains every episode of every piece of pop culture through the lens of if it was an AU of Steven Universe. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. See, I understand this episode because it's... <laughs> if we if we can start a Patreon and get enough subscribers, we can make it happen. I'll let you do that project on your own. <laughs> that, I support you in that 100%. Um, because I am a great friend, much like uh, apparently Alice and Betsy grew to be in the course of 12 hours less. That was one heck of a training montage, I'll tell you that. I wish that that was my life. That's that's fantasy right there. Gaining a, a friend like that before nine o'clock. I mean, we're talking all this about She-Ra. It's like Bo said, friendship takes work and they put in the work. So there you go. They put in the montage. That's for sure. I, I So the fact that this was framed as a story that Jim Jams tells was very in line with Summer Camp Island, right? We're like, Telling a story late at night, everyone else is asleep, fire's still going. I thought that was great. And the fact that Jim James is our narrator, and the fact... Did we know before... I think we knew before that Jim James wore Ramona's pajamas, right? Uh, I do not recall. Or was or was this revealed here? Either way, I think that was great. I, I, liked, I liked that he was controlling Susie's arms. Yes, yes, I have the same note. He's waving his arms around and she's just comatose. That was great. Also that he rips farts just as great as, you know, any other wilderness girl. (laughs) Wilderness girls rip farts all the time. Absolutely. (laughs) Glad to know I'm I'm a wilderness girl. I will just call out that wonderful scene when they come out of the mailbox and... You know, be as unconvincing as possible to those dudes and then just run off. Okay, they bought it. Let's go. <laughs> I like I like how Susie really didn't have a plan to recruit members and her speeches start off not much as speeches. Like she she starts developing it when she tries to tell the dog, you know, you're a monster. <laughs> Come join us on our island. And then, uh, you know. And then <laughs> she gets interrupted later. The island of Dr. <laughs> Susie. It's not working out. Yeah. Like the island of Dr. McAllister. So, yeah. we what, what Things to learn in the future. We need to uh, probably learn why Susie is immortal. That's an interesting question. Well, I mean, it didn't, doesn't seem like it's that hard a ritual for the witches to perform. But why? Why are some witches immortal or not? Like, what is the purpose of that? And also, there's there's a little bit of lore purpose to why like i mean they set it up so that then ramona ages and she has to be trapped in frozen time so that they would both live forever in a certain way but like why also if jim jams used to be not pajamas it really made me think what if all the other animated things on the island were also like jim jams but we've definitely seen things come to life in this show and they were just inanimate before I think it's more of a Jim thing, where it's like, hey, Jim Jams, I mean, his name even is Jim Jams. It's like, hey, Jim Jams, you used to do X? Yeah, I'd I'd rather not talk about it. But what about Oscar's pajamas? Hmm. I think pajamas is going to live a very full life, and someday he'll have lots of wisdom to share with the young pajamas of the world. And then what's what's, what's my other mystery of uh, of the hour? Maybe that's my two mysteries. Oh, and Mallory. She needs to become uh, more of a character. We were talking before this. Well, maybe it's too juicy. Is this too juicy for 
Do we have to save this for YouTube? Thinking about Mallory, why she's in this episode? We can let him have some good stuff. (laughs) So Mallory is a very interesting inclusion because she doesn't get too much screen time, but she is included at all. And the fact that she is a character who's basically the opposite of Susie. So when we first meet her, we find out, yeah, she has a lot of ex-boyfriends and she doesn't really seem concerned about it. She is interested in meeting new cute sailors by the docks. But, uh, you know, (laughs) she does have their heights memorized as well, but (laughs) she doesn't seem super attached to them. And then later, when Alice and Betsy are told, like, you know, friendship is super powerful, Mallory asks, hey, can I be an old hag? Is that a cool way of living? And you do you. She's, yeah, she's told, no, that's completely fine. You do you. And I mean, I think that is a very interesting idea that they introduce right alongside that friendship is super powerful um, because that can be a comforting thing for people like Mallory who are totally content with themselves for a lot of the time. But I think the fact that they include her at all, and as you mentioned, she is a reptile, (laughs) which is the opposite of the mammalian Susie. If that's meaningful, like they bothered to include a character that's a little bit of an opposite, a little bit of a, that's not what a foil is. I don't know what foils are. I don't understand literary words. She helps contrast and helps us understand a different point of view from Susie. And I don't know if that'll be important or not. Like, is part of this journey realizing that best friends don't last forever and that you have to change with the times for the prophecy? I don't know, but the fact that Mallory's included makes me think that it's on the minds of the storyboarders, so we'll see. I do think that they're crazy for trusting a prophecy created by a bunch of aliens in the first place. Those guys are nuts. Yes, that's the final mystery. Why are the aliens involved? Aliens popping up, handing you a binder. What do they have to do with magic? And and it's also very curious that they're from a totally different planet, but apparently... The source for all magic in the universe is the diamond on Earth. Yeah, well, apparently they're doing just fine. Maybe maybe that's tied ties into the fact that they only have so much emotional energy to go around on the planet. That's how they've survived, by rationing emotions. Well, yeah, is it magic or is what they have emotions and it's totally separate from magic? Don't know. Clearly they're magical creatures because they're related to the island in that regard. And only only magical creatures like to kick it there. For some reason they're hanging out there. Is Barb magical? Apparently, well, I guess I guess monsters are magical, even though they don't do magic. Uh, they they called out elves it, when they were first in New York City looking for the magical creatures. They were talking about elves as one of the kinds of creatures they were looking for. So I think Barb is magical, but they're just like small. You know, we saw Oscar clearly right being a glowworm, right? that there could be magical things happening in the background that we don't know about. I'm not sure. Like, Barb proved herself to be pretty self-focused and did not really contribute much. She was perfectly fine drinking her, what was our lovely drink called this episode? I I don't know how I didn't write that down. With the bonnet on top. That was that was beautiful that she she just so happens to love the same milkshake that Susie loves. And is also much more selfish than Susie because her plan B was plan Barb. <laughs> How do you think she's lived so, so long? Oh, that is good stuff. This was a really great little four-parter. I'm glad that Summer Camp Island built up to this. I'm totally invested in what happens next. I think that whenever a show does this... It is really hard to go back to complete slice-of-life stories. Luckily, Summer Camp Island has a setup like Adventure Time where they can hit us with, you know, 
a little segment of episodes or a slice of episodes that have a really melancholy theme song and <laughs> make make you cry a little bit and then you know we go back to fun rando times but it, but I think the show's going to be a little different from now on kind of like after we learned about Simon in Adventure Time or after we you know met Lapis the first time call it the HBO effect I do there there was a feeling of that isn't there <laughs> there is a feeling that HBO, I mean, surely this episode was planned before then. Eh, I don't know. But maybe not. Maybe this is part of the format. This is the type of event-style format that gets you in to these shows. I do miss the much more carefree episodes. These episodes weigh on my heart. Yeah, but luckily they are still, again, the farting is one thing. (laughs) But throughout the rest of the episode, there's just so many visual gags and the Dialogue is as summer camp islandy as ever, where <laughs> just just Susie alone says so many things in so many goofy ways that I mean it's serious when she's talking about Ramona, but it is loopy all the other times, and it's it's totally enjoyable. So but yeah, I um you know, we can't always just have stories told in the past by by a pair of pajamas, so I'm fine with more goofy things. But I the fact that they introduced the islanders being magic. That's got to be one of the drivers for the next batch of yeah. episodes. They, they've, they've decided where they're going, and they're going to go there. Anyway, guys, that's been us on the Susie Ramona Adventures. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Don't forget the magic, and don't forget to give us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com. 